We at Global Nomad Hacks are peace heroes. By playing Peace and Harmony program during this episode, we help create one million pockets of peace by dissolving stress and tension. To be your own peace hero and get your own copy, go to peaceandharmonydownload.com. Welcome back to Global Nomad Hacks. I am really excited to introduce you to a fellow podcaster, a new friend. Her name is Madeline Jawar. And she is the founder and owner of Italy Beyond the Obvious and Travel Beyond the Obvious. And as we all know, we're in this incredible sort of armchair travel phase of COVID. And this is a great opportunity for us to learn more about the behind the scenes and how to take it to the real level. So Madeline is really an expert in this. And I can't wait to have her share her story of how she ended up in this space and how she can help us when we're moving forward. Welcome, Madeline. Hi, Heidi. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a treat to have you here. And uh, we met recently through a new platform that's launching that we're both on that I'm going to be talking more about in the future. But Podopolo is a new app platform that both of our podcasts are on and just lots of great opportunities there. But before we get into the nitty gritty of that, Madeline, how did you get into this space? I know you are a fellow traveler, fellow expat, and... Canadian, we will point out, because a lot of our English as a second language speakers may not notice the slight difference in accent. So welcome. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, absolutely. I've lived in the U.S. for quite a while, but if I say out and about, people usually get me. But yeah, I grew up in Canada, in Edmonton, Alberta, and, you know, where the depths of winter took us down to minus 50 degrees. And I thought it was totally normal that everyone would check the radio in the morning before heading to the bus stop to hear how many minutes it would be before exposed skin would freeze. And that was my childhood. It was, you know, it was in the depths of the prairies. It was a great city to to grow up in, but I had a very internationally minded family. So my mother enrolled me in French immersion when I was four years old. We spent a year in Brussels with my father was a chemistry professor and we had an opportunity to do a sabbatical. We hosted exchange student after exchange student. I mean, we, I don't even remember how many we hosted. We hosted three for a year and then multiple exchange students for shorter periods. And I was just told that when I was 18, I would be going on an international exchange. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a question. It wasn't an option. It was like, you will be going. So think about where you want to go. And that was just kind of my family environment. So it really opened up so many doors for me. You know, just the French immersion. Edmonton is not in the Francophone area of Canada. So we didn't speak French at home, but just, you know, when you learn one language, then you know how to learn a language. And then you understand that it's a window into culture. And then you understand more about another culture. And then you're like, oh, people do things differently than we do things that had never occurred to me to, to solve that problem like that, whether it be crossing the street or driving on the other side of the road or, you know, not having cappuccino after 11 a.m. or whatever the cultural rules are. It just opens your mind to that other people do things in different ways. And that was the start of that. Sounds like your parents planted the seed quite early. Now, were they both Canadian and or had they had a similar experience? It was more it was more like just recognizing that the world's a bigger place and needing to expose you to that. 
So my mother is from Minnesota, actually. So I have dual citizenship, dual U.S. and Canadian. And my parents met at the University of Chicago. My father was uh, is from Toronto and was doing a PhD there. And it was 1969, and they were busy. They were marching. They, my mother was actually helping people avoid the draft and get in, get over to Canada and cross the border. So many, I know. So many years later, she she won't mind me mentioning that, but it was a, <laughs> a point of contention in her family for a long time. But yeah, then she moved to, well, they moved to Santa Cruz first for my dad did his uh, postdoc and then they moved to Edmonton where he got a job and that's where I grew up. I was born there. It's such a beautiful way to sort of express the, how that fluidity happens because often it's something that's a, you know, a trigger situation that says, okay, it's time to go to a new place. And even in the 60s, you could just pick up and move across a border. Of course, right now we have lots of other challenges, whether it's from you know, visa challenges to to disease and COVID and, you know, what's available or even, you know, political situations that may make it more challenging or maybe encourage us to have that fluidity. But I guess what we're seeing is this wave of acceptance and appreciation for the fact that global mobility is here. And it's just something that's gonna, it's gonna happen more and more, particularly now that we're seeing that more people can actually work from anywhere as long as they're, you know, they have a laptop and an internet connection. How has that mm-hmm. changed your perception of where you want to be? It's really, you know, I was very lucky to start with that mindset that I could move anywhere. And I've lived in 11 different places. And, you know, I, I now live in Northern California, just south of San Francisco. And my husband and I joke that, yeah, this is the 11th place we've each lived. Not We haven't lived in 11 places together. We've lived in, in five together. But if we can ever afford to pay off our house, we're never leaving. Although we'll see. As you were saying, you know, it gets difficult to manage. Well, you and I were saying before, before we started recording, it gets difficult to manage the wildfires and the threat of earthquakes and the political situation is causing some strife. So who knows? But we love it here. But it does, you know, I feel like I was always open to opportunities. And I, when I got them, I grabbed them. And so, for example, you know, I, I started in college working as a tour guide at the local, the lo- it was a summer job and I was a, a tour guide. I was a soldier's wife at a local fort and I gave tours in English French and German over the summer. And from there I thought, oh, well, I like being a tour guide. I'll apply to go work in Europe as a tour guide. Okay. And I botched the first interview. I showed up a day late because I was disorganized and put it in the wrong day on my calendar. And I was so upset. And then I just kind of picked myself up and tried again and eventually got a job as a tour guide in Europe and guided week-long hiking and biking tours in Italy for a year and a half-ish. It was fifty. It was three seasons of guiding. So it was kind of spring, fall, spring. And then one of my clients offered me a job in international operations based in New York. And, you know, I was like, great, sure, I'll move to New York, you know. And then it was, I was living on Long Island and I was taking the train into the city all the time, which 
I don't know if you spent time on Long Island, but it's it's quite separate from New York City. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's a 45 minute train ride, which to me seemed like nothing. But people were like, we go into the city once a year for the big Broadway event. And I was like, I'm going for dinner, you know. So it was a very different mentality, I thought. And it was also very so I was working with people who with that mentality, the company said, you know, who wants to go to Italy? And people were like, well, I'd love to go on a business trip. And I was like, I'll move, you know. And in the end, they were like, well, Italy isn't quite ready for you. Will you go to Sweden? And I was like, sure. You know, that's, I mean, I'd never been to Sweden, didn't know Swedish, didn't know anyone, but I was like, that sounds fun. And and I was surrounded by people who were like, that sounds scary. Why? Well, I don't want to move to Sweden. So I think it was just I just had this mentality that kind of paved the way for, I know how to learn a language. I'll figure it out. I'm not scared of other cultures. In fact, I find them stimulating and, and energizing and interesting. And, and so I just had opportunities that nobody want, nobody else wanted. And I think those are still out there. And, you know, to your point about the remote working and there's a lot of opportunity out there for people that are kind of open-minded and willing to figure that stuff out. Well, and I think we're going to see a lot more of the crossover between sort of travel, you travel where you bring your work with you so that you can go for a longer period of time. And what does that mean in terms of when you're designing those, those adventures for people, making sure that you have hotspot places, making sure, you know, that uh, there are quiet spaces that they can do, you know, Zoom calls and Whatever it is, I mean, there's different elements that I would think are going to be prioritized when you're designing, but it also means that you can do it for a lot longer. And maybe even, you know, if the kids are doing remote school, they can bring their school with them too. You can go as an entire family rather than wait until the kids are graduated and you're empty nesters. There's so many different elements that I think are going to really impact and create opportunities within the the travel industry and having someone on the ground like you that really understands you know those details and can take care of that so that it happens fluidly i think is going to be increasingly important so you do some training and working with people to start travel businesses or to you know to sort of to help people along in that process what are some of the key things that you look at that maybe some of them may be mindset in terms of, you know, being comfortable outside of your comfort zone, but other things may be more sort of logistical and skills based. What are some of the key things that you look at? That I look at for someone who wants to start their own travel business? Mm-hmm. So what I found when I was starting Italy Beyond the Obvious was that I was not a good fit for becoming a travel agent. And there are a lot of people like me who have deep destination expertise in one destination. And that's because they've lived there and they speak the language and they know how to, and they know the the calendar of, you know, the holiday calendar and they know how to get around by train and they know when things are closed, when things are open and just the basic things that you just know when you live in a place. And I realized that when I was looking into starting my travel business, after I left my international operations job, 
the travel agents have a very specific skill set where they can sell packages or, 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 or programs or experiences made by other people. And they can sell Italy one year and Thailand one year and Mexico one year. And so the great thing is that they can work with the same customer every year. And that's a bonus for the customer. But they're not the destination expert themselves. And I started the travel company because there was no travel training company that trains people how to set up a travel business based on their destination expertise. So our travel program is basically an eight-step program. It's not theory. It's not like an MBA where we're going to talk about revenues and expenses. It's like step one, do this. Then step two, do this. But it's only for people who already have destination expertise. So I say to them, I have an eight-step process. I don't care where your destination expertise is. Mine is in Italy, but yours could be in Peru or Mexico, or it could be pet travel, or it could be RV travel, or it could be you know, handicap travel. What I teach people who already have that deep expertise is just how to get customers to find them online because they are the experts. I don't spend any money for my Italy business. I don't spend money on Google AdWords or on Facebook ads. I use SEO and the the way the content that I put on my website is I write it so that people who are actually looking for an Italy trip or an Italy expert find me. And then they're so excited to find me because I'm solving their problem. And that's what we teach in the course. And so it's for a very specific type of travel expert who has that destination expertise, wants to start a business and is doing it. Our students are really They're really passion and mission driven. You know, we say to them, here are the numbers. You know, the secret sauce is that you have to work efficiently because it's based on your hours and you only have so many hours in a day. And yes, you can, we'll teach you the tools and we'll teach you the process and we'll teach you how to work efficiently and we'll help you be successful. But at the end of the day, you're only going to grow if you work efficiently and use the right tools and then hire people. And so this isn't going to be the business that, I mean, there are lots of different things you can do to scale, but this, this, the people that are doing this are like, I want to earn money and do, you know, work with my passion. And, you know, for me, it's also a mission because we find that people you know, the people we work with are curious travelers. They want to connect with the locals. They want to, you know, meet the grandmother who's making the pasta in the Tuscan farmhouse. They want to pick the grapes and meet the winemaker or meet the cheesemaker. You know, they really want to get to to that connection with the locals. Mm -hmm. And that's really what a destination expert can offer. And, you know, they want to, you know, have that awesome day in the countryside where they're exploring villages and they want to know, you know, where to how to get there and where to park and how long it takes and what cafe they should eat at and what bakery they should go to and what they should get at the bakery. That's the local specialty of the local town. And then what town they should go to next. And if they wanted to get some olive oil, where should they get that? And if they wanted to get a silk scarf or some shoes, where should they get that? So as destination experts, we can put the pieces together for people and then they can be independent, curious travelers and have a successful experience where they don't get stuck and they don't mm-hmm. get lost and they don't get a, a fine because they parked somewhere they shouldn't have parked. And they know that, you know, we tell them that pistachio gelato is the thing that to eat right now at this time of year in this place. And so that's really what I teach people in the course and, and the people that are that are a good fit for our course or, or people who have existing travel businesses who want our certification. 
And our, our certification gets you into our network and it, it's a stamp of approval and it, it's, it's a fantastic way to, to get leads and customers as well. But that type of travel expert, whether they're just starting or whether they ha- already have a business in there and they're signing up for a certification, when they find us, they just light up. They're like, oh my gosh, nobody else offers this. Where have you been? My tribe, you know, it's like my tribe, you know, my people, my mm-hmm. peeps. So those are the people that that find us and that we we love to connect with. Well, I would imagine, I mean, I, I love the idea and I'm just thinking, I mean, what a great way to meet other like-minded people and also to create a, a larger resource because a lot of people, when they want to go to Europe, for example, they're like, you know, it's kind of like saying, oh, I'm going to the U.S. And I'm, you know, I love it when, you know, people say, I'm going to go to the U.S. I'm taking two weeks and I'm going to see the whole U.S. It's like, okay, no. But we had the same experience when we were planning our honeymoon. We were like, well, we want to go to Australia. We're going to take five weeks and we're going to see it all. And our Australian friends just laughed at us. And they said, hmm, do you realize that Australia is about the same size as the U.S.? <laughs> Actually, maybe even bigger. And we're sort of, hmm, okay, maybe we're not going to see it all. But to be able to get an expert in each of those places, maybe, that you want to go. So if you go to Europe, you can have an expert that knows Italy and have like a local expert that knows Southern Germany and another local expert that knows Sweden. You can see all three of those places from the local mindset. Is That's what I'm understanding from what you're saying is that you could actually link in there and say, hey, well, let's put together group itineraries. I mean, it seems like it has an incredible opportunity for scaling. It does. There's huge opportunity. What we find, what I find as an Italy expert and what I find with my other destination experts is that people tend, or my customers tend to focus on, they want to go to Italy and they'll sometimes say to me, can we also go to France or can we also do Switzerland? And I'll say, okay, let's talk about what you want to see in Italy and how much time you have. And 99% of the time they're like, okay, we're leaving France or Switzerland for another trip. However, you bring up an excellent point in that, you know, everybody, my clients work with me maybe twice, you know, they'll come back and they'll say, Madeline, pull out the B list, all the stuff that didn't fit in our two week itinerary last time we worked together, we want to go back and they'll use me twice. And some people have used me three or four times. I think I have one, there's one client I've worked with five times, but you get the idea. And they come back to me and they say, who else does what you do for other countries? And so that's where the power of this network comes in, because with my certified travel experts, I essentially have a travel expert that I have vetted, and it's a four-step process to get certified. I want, when I created the certification, I said, you know, the bar has to be, would I send my Italy travelers to this person? And if they are certified, it's a no-brainer. It's Mm -hmm. absolutely yes. And when I started reaching out to other destination experts, we all have the same problem. We all have the same problem. We all need partners where we can send our valuable clients to and know that the standard will be the same and the experience will be the same and and they'll be working directly with a destination expert. And the other thing that we really value is transparent pricing. So when you're a destination expert, you don't need middlemen. You don't there it's not a nebulous package with markups and middlemen and it's it's very transparent it's this is what I charge and I happen to charge fees and so I charge the client fees for my expertise and time 
and everything else is separate. And, you know, we don't require that for certification. What we require is that it's, it's transparent pricing and the clients love that, but it, it is in terms of scaling, it is, there's huge opportunity for the certified destination expert to join our network because not only have we found that, as I said, everybody has the same problem. We all need part, we all need reliable partners. So there's that. So people in the network get to know each other and they just naturally send each other business, right? Mm-hmm. So that happens. But we also have an online directory and our business model is a training and certification company. We're not making money from any of the travel that our, that our certified experts get. So that's theirs. And so we put them on our online directory. They're listed on directory and anybody can go search on that directory and find our certified travel experts. And the directory lists, you know, areas of expertise, but also kind of shades of gray. Some of them offer on-trip support and some don't. Some of them will accompany you if you want an actual person to accompany you. So you can look at the directory and find the best fit for your needs as a traveler. And then we will also, once the directory gets pretty large, we're actually about, we're launching December 1st. So right now we have just a handful of certified travel experts, but once we get um, larger, we'll be, we'll be having a matching service where we will, will match the traveler and the expert. Um, But our mission is to showcase our certified travel experts. We want to certify them and train them and get them to the high bar. And then all our social media, all our website, our podcast, um, we showcase them. We're like, we, we, that's our, that's our, our whole mission at Travel Beyond the Obvious. I love that. And I think, I mean, for any of our listeners who have Obviously, I mean, if you're here and you're listening now, you're probably a travel addict like many of us and have lived in lots of different places. But one of the things that I always enjoyed the most is when you have a local guide, someone that knows where to go. And I mean, fortunately, if you travel a lot, you probably have met people from different countries. And, you know, there you can just open up in the old days, it was the Rolodex, but you open up your phone and you say, well, who's here? Or you do a Facebook post and say, hey, I'm headed to this city. Who's around? You know, can you tell me where to go and get tips from friends that way? And but but it seems like, you know, to have quality control on that has there's an incredible value to that. There's certain people that I always lean to when I know that I'm going to certain cities that that they're, you know, are well traveled by that individual. I call them and I'm like, okay, what's your list? What restaurants do I need to go to? What why do I buy when I'm there? Because they're like me, and I know that we'll have similar interests and similar tastes, but they're not necessarily qualified experts. I'm just going based on what their experience was. And some people are better at remembering those things and tracking them than others. Yeah, and, that, yeah, and that's actually a, a really good point is that you mentioned, you know, that person knows you and what you like. And one of the, you know, our certification is four parts, and one of our parts is to show it's we call it show us and we we ask to see their sample itineraries and we talk about their little black book which is all their recommendations and part of that little black book conversation is about how you um, recommend things that are not just your favorite things and that's one of the when I first started Italy Beyond the Obvious people said to me oh you're just sharing your favorite things with people and I said no I'm not I'm I'm sharing what I think is the best fit for them 
So it might not be what I would do. I'm, I'm aware of it. I've, you know, I've sent people there. I've, you know, so, so for example, a conversation I'll have with someone who might want to go to Rome is I'll say, you know, let's book you to uh, for a tour at, at the Colosseum. And because the Colosseum is so touristy, let's mitigate that a little bit with something, you know, behind the scenes and a little bit off the beaten track. And, you know, let's book you if you have kids, I'll book you with a different guide than if you are, you know, a university professor with a, a PhD in, in Roman history. <laughs> And maybe you have a private guide or maybe you do a small group tour or maybe you want to be, you know, booked with a curator of the Sistine Chapel and have the behind the scenes visit. So it's really about, you know, having that array of high quality recommendations that are really tailored to that traveler and their specific interests and, and their pace, their budget, their group, all of that. Well, and I would imagine budget also comes into play extremely. And I mean, you see, I believe it was the Frommer, is it Frommer's Guide that, oh no, it was uh, the Lonely Planet. One of those actually went closed down during the, I can't remember which one it was. I think it may be Lonely Planet said, okay, we're done. I think it was Lonely Planet Publishing, and I hope I have that correct, and I apologize if that was misinformation. I don't know. But one of them, uh, and I think the other one was also, at risk, because you have a lot of people that, of course, are in armchair traveling, but they're not necessarily purchasing things right now. There's that sort of anxiety of Mm -hmm. when this happened during the the lockdown, it was still before the airlines had really picked up on saying, okay, well, you can book, but don't worry, you know, you'll be refunded or can, you know, change your ticket. So people were just not willing to take the risk. But I think what we're Mm -hmm. seeing now is that people are really, you know, they're they're missing that connection of, you know, I want that guide and whether it's the pocket guide for the backpacker or whether it's the person that's going to do the whole hand holding and, you know, with a, with a guided, you know, with a driver and a, and a physical person that's going to walk you through, there's that whole range. And so obviously, you know, you can make recommendations based on those different budgets, but I would imagine there's a huge range of what kinds of things, for example, people want to see or when to see, you know, one of my favorite mm-hmm. travel stories to, to share when it comes to sort of, you know, realizing that people are very different in their travel is when I was in college, I spent a year studying in Salzburg, and I had a friend reach out to me from the States and said, Hey, I'm coming over to visit. And I said, Great, you're coming right when I have spring break, and I have a URL pass, get a URL pass, and you can come with me. And all sounds wonderful and great until we realized when he got there that all he wanted to do was take the trains during the day so he could experience the nightlife. And I wanted to sleep on the trains to save money and go to museums. And not that I didn't want to do any nightlife, but very different approach to, you know, what do you want to experience and how do you want to experience it? Needless to say, we ended up parting ways and we're still friends today, but more because we reconnected about 10 years later and shared our pictures with each other and went, were you on the same trip as me? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you can't travel with anyone. And, and and that is such an interesting, I had a friend like that too, who wanted to experience the nightlife and I wanted to be up bright and early and going from museum to square to bakery to gelateria to church to, you know, 
But it is, you know, as a travel planner too, you know, we get people who are like, my grandma is coming and my two-year-old is coming. And how are we going to organize this trip so that they're both happy? And that's one of the parts of the job. It just, it's, it's about putting together a trip so that everyone's happy. And to your point about the budget, you know, it's such an interesting thing. Our customers at Italy Beyond the Obvious tend to be in the luxury travel mindset. Um, I get a lot of people who say, I don't necessarily have a budget in the sense that I want value for money. So I want to know what we're spending our money on and I want to know how much it costs and I want to pick. You know, I want to decide whether I want to spend $800 a night on that hotel room and maybe I do. And then maybe I want to book an apartment for the next chunk of, of time so that I can balance out that, you know. So it's really about value for money, but it's also interesting because today's luxury traveler is really not about red carpets and black limos and VIP service, or at least the ones we work with. They're like, I have the money, I have the budget, I'm going to spend it where it's worth it, but I want to connect to that Italian grandmother in the cooking class in Tuscany. And I want to, you know, it's about experiences and, and connecting with the locals and whatever that costs is what they'll pay, but it's not necessarily about you know, large dollar amounts. Um, and we just don't, I think too, because of the, there are people that work, you know, they book the helicopter to the yacht. Um, and, and we just tend to not work with people like that only because we kind of attract people who really do want to get that connection to the culture. So it's, I feel very lucky to work with these people because they're so, you know, to your point about the, the guides as well. I mean, our secret sauce is the guides. I mm-hmm. think the guides just make the trip. And when I go to Italy, um, people say to me how, you know, I live in California. I've got two trip planners based in Italy. So I've got one in Milan and one down in Assisi and I've got a project manager as well. So we have people on the ground in Italy, but um, when I go to Italy, people say to me, how can you possibly keep on top of the restaurants and the hotels and the guides? And I say, I don't, I don't go to the hotels or the restaurants. I wine and dine my guides because those are the key relationships. Those are the people that are going to take care of our travelers. And those are the people I want to keep happy. And those are the secret sauce to our trips. Mm-hmm. It's so true. It's like you've got to, you've, it's those relationships that make all the difference. And, and they're the ones that are going to say, hey, oh, well, we're headed on this way. And oh, let's stop by my grandmother's house so you can meet a real, you know, see what a real home, Tuscan home 100%. looks like, whatever, where you're not going to get that from someone that's you know, just, okay, here's my itinerary, here's my list, like that you're just giving it to them and saying, like, just do your work. Yeah, you're not going to get that experience from the packed itinerary either, where you're running from one place to the next to the next. If you don't have that leeway, I'm talking about Italy here, but if you don't have that leeway, you're just not going to have time to to stop and have tea with that person or coffee or, you know, go for a walk in the vineyard or whatever serendipitous opportunity presents itself. That's so funny that you just said that. Um, I was I just going to say the importance of serendipity. <laughs> use that, But I think that is one of the most beautiful pieces that is, you know, that's where the magic happens in travel is serendipity. And whether it's the people that you meet or just that space that all of a sudden just comes alive for you and you feel home when you're in a place that's totally foreign, that it's that magic piece that it seems like you cultivate that with what you're doing. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And I think just to go back to a point that you made earlier about, you know, the remote working and the distance learning that we're all getting accustomed to right now during the pandemic and the opportunities that that's going to present for travelers, you know, those serendipitous experiences are so much easier to have if you can have a longer period of time in the destination where you, you know, maybe rent an apartment and Americans can, I know your audience is, is really global, but as Americans, you can be in Italy, for example, for 90 days, totally legally. And I do predict that, you know, we are going to see just what you said, you know, people who could be based somewhere, you know, and, and say, I need weekend excursions and Monday to Friday, I just need good Wi-Fi or good internet and, you know, help me find a place where, you know, I can be based and then help us with weekend excursions. And that's where you really feel that you, you know, you get to know the barista and you get to know the, the, in Italian, they're called the frutti vendolo, the, the person that sells the fruits and the vegetables. And you can, might get to know your neighbors and you get, you get the, the rhythm of the church bells in your head and the rhythm of, you know, one of the sounds of Italy that I miss so much when I'm not there are the, they're called taparelle. They're the blinds and they're the, the outside blinds. They're kind of security blinds. They're heavy and sometimes metal, sometimes plastic. And in a, in a sound of an Italian morning are all the locals pulling up their blinds. And so you, you get, you know, so much more when you, when you live there. And I think that this transition that we're going through is going to present some new opportunities in the travel industry. And that's also why, you know, we're telling people this is a perfect time to be building a travel business. Because I tell you, my clients at Italy Beyond the Obvious are like, when can we travel? When can we go? And of course, the answer is that I don't know, but I've actually started scheduling. I just got a new client yesterday, believe it or not, for Italy, because people want something to look forward to. Mm -hmm. And I am calling this the look forward to campaign. And I'm just like, you know what, I don't know when you can travel. But let's just get phone calls on the calendar. You and I, I said to this new this new client, you and I will just talk every two weeks, every four weeks, whatever it is, so that you have something to look forward to. You are excited about your trip. We don't yet know when that trip is going to happen, but we're going to talk about it and we're going to get you all excited about it. And I think that's so important. Absolutely. So chomping at the bit. Uh, Absolutely. And I think in in so many ways, part of it is wanting to return to what's familiar and where they remember joy. And, you know, if it's been 10 years, they probably want someone that's on the ground that can take them to the places that are, you know, that are new or and, you know, obviously, we know, particularly in the hospitality industry, a lot of these things change. So it's always good to have someone on the ground that can really support us. I just think what you're doing is amazing. And and uh, I think it's going to be for a lot of our listeners, it's, uh, there's a huge value there to understand their own value as a guide, if they, you know, if they can learn the process to be able to share wherever they are in the world, whether you're in Cairo, or whether you're in Bali, to be able to be that local resource for people, whether you're a digital nomad, or maybe you're an expat and a trailing spouse, and you're you know, you're really getting to know the nitty gritty of the new city and new country where you are. Why not share that uh, skill set and share that passion for that local place and turn it into a business for yourself? I mean, it just seems like it's a great Absolutely. opportunity and also a great way to meet 
people, interesting and fun people with that are like-minded, that enjoy travel. And so I think it's it's really awesome. I want to make sure folks can find you and find your podcast, obviously, but also if they're interested, how do they get more information? Yeah, so I can be the two websites. My Italy website is italybeyondtheobvious.com. And my travel training company is travelbeyondtheobvious.com. And from each of those sites, you'll get to the Facebook, the Instagram, the Pinterest, and I'm not really on Twitter. But yeah, that those are good starting places. And and I the the links to the podcast. The podcast is called the Travel Business Owners Podcast. We talk about we we interview travel business owners. So if you're interested in starting a new travel business and and you're wondering about the behind the scenes nitty gritty what's it really like that's the that's what we talk about on that podcast well i think it's awesome and i think you know really everyone in the hospitality industry particularly you know hotels and conference centers need to understand this personal side to what you're doing and so i think you know hopefully they're listening too even if they you know, can just take some of those magic kernels because really ultimately what you're doing is creating that personalized concierge uh, for each individual based on what their needs are. And, and uh, we all could use a little bit of handholding these days with all the chaos around us. So I really appreciate what you're doing. And it has been such a joy having you on the show. I'm so glad that I reached out to you at our last meeting to say, come on the show yeah. and share what you're doing, because I think it's really a value to our global nomads out there. And thank you, global nomads, for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of the great upcoming episodes. And if you have written a rating or review, we always appreciate it and would really love to hear from you so we can share back a little bit of that love to you. Thank you all for joining us today. It's been my pleasure. Bye-bye for now.